Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. I am really excited about today's show. I'm going to be joined by Josh Elledge, and we're going to talk about influencers. Not just any influencers, but traditional media influencers. We're talking about television, radio, and print. And we're going to talk about how you, as a marketer, using social media can connect with these influencers and hopefully get some amazing exposure for your business. By the way, a couple other things. Uh, if you want to email me, podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com comes right to my inbox. And the next thing is, I want to say thank you. This is the four-year anniversary of this podcast. We have been faithfully delivering an episode every single week for four years. We launched this show back on August 10th of 2012. And man, it's been an amazing ride. And some of you have been listening from the very, very beginning. Thank you so much for allowing us to deliver content into your earbuds every single week. Thank you for spending 45 minutes a week with me. You are one of tens of thousands of people that listen every single episode. I just want to say thank you. It's a big deal for me. I love this. And if you've been listening for a while, you know that I love this. And um, it's just one of the most enjoyable things that I do every week. So just from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. And on a different note, Pokemon Go. Pokemon Go. Are you into that? I got to tell you, I'm recording this episode July 13th and... um, I am officially sucked in and addicted. I'm, I'm trying to break away. I'm currently at level eight, um, and I'm very hopeful that I will be stopping this sometime soon. It's fun. What can I say? All right, let's transition to over this week's brand new discovery, which has nothing to do with Pokemon Go. It has nothing to do with our four-year anniversary. Let's transition over there right now. Helping you stay alive in a social jungle, here's this week's survival tip. This week, I'm joined by Eric Fisher with a brand new discovery. What'd you find, Eric? I found Twitter analytics from Agora Pulse. Twitter analytics from Agora Pulse. Tell us a little bit about what that is and how is that different than what Twitter already provides us? Yeah. So Twitter analytics by itself natively already gives you a bunch of different information in terms of how your tweets are doing and your your tweet audience for your Twitter account. Twitter analytics from Agora Pulse is a free tool that will give you a way to compare your Twitter account to a bunch of other Twitter accounts. And you can see you know, how many followers you have, the quality of your interaction, the amount of activity, in other words, how many tweets you've had, and more. So are you using this for our account? Yes. So tell us how you're using it. Like, What's the use case here? 
So the the use case is is essentially to see uh, you know some of our competitors. So so what what you do is you go to analytics.agorapulse.com and it, you know you authorize it with your Twitter account and then you get an email and you click through and you can then add the other Twitter accounts that you want to make the comparisons to. And so what I do is, is I add I have added, I should say. Uh, you don't have to. You don't have to mention them, but you've added yeah. a bunch, and then right, exactly. And then what does it do exactly? So then, what I can do is I can see over the last thirty days how many, how much engagement, or how many interactions, or interactions per tweet, even or or even conversations per tweet. How many people are hitting reply mm. and replying to tweets, and I can see. Oh, you know, Brand X has however many, and Social Media Examiner has this, and I can see a really great. Twitter-specific dashboard for all of that high-level, um, you know, analytics that that data. Very cool. Um, and you said it's free. Is that right? It is free. Yes, it is. So where do we get? Where do we find out more about this? So you can sign up and check it out over at analytics.agorapulse.com. And that's A G O R A P U L S E. So um, beyond just comparing you to a few competitors. Is there any other advantages to using it? Not necessarily, but it does help when and uh, you know in, in reporting. If you're doing a monthly report or even a weekly report, and you want to show how your Twitter account is doing compared to others, or even if you're in an organization that has multiple Twitter accounts, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. List them all off right in here, and you got quick, easy reporting. Very cool. All right. Again, that was. How do we get to the URL again? One more time. Analytics agorapulse.com. Sweet. Thank you so much, Eric, for bringing us that brand new discovery. You're welcome. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World, and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the Social Media Marketing Podcast not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the Social Media Marketing Society. Each month, our top tier guests who have been on my show are invited to train inside our society for an exclusive group of marketers who are just like you. The training is designed to help you go from being a passive consumer of content to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. Let's transition over to this week's awesome interview with Josh Elledge. Helping you simplify your social safari, here's this week's expert guide. I'm very excited to be joined today by Josh Elledge. If you don't know who Josh is, he's a consumer advocate. He founded SavingsAngel.com, a website dedicated to consumer savings. He's also a weekly syndicated newspaper columnist, and he's also been on TV and radio more than 1,000 times. Josh is also the founder of UpEndPR.com. Josh, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Michael. So today, Josh and I are going to talk about what it takes to connect with traditional media influencers, and we're going to get into that. But first, Josh, I want to hear a little bit about your a little bit about your story. How did you get on the radar of 
traditional media. I know there's a really cool story there. So take us wherever you want to go. Yeah, absolutely. So long ago, right out of high school, I joined the United States Navy as a U.S. Navy journalist. And and that was actually a really great experience for an 18-year-old, I'll just call myself a kid, uh, to be able to participate in producing um, video news stories for the for the Navy and the Marine Corps. And, and so I had a few years of that. That was a great experience. At one time, then shortly, a few years later, uh, actually started a small town newspaper, which is not necessarily a very good business, but it was good experience. And then when I started a membership-based website, I'd always been involved in internet marketing a little bit, but when I started my own company, Savings Angel, I was in a position where I had no money for advertising, which is not necessarily the best position to be in, but it forced me to look for other ways that I could get exposure because I know that without exposure, the business isn't going to go very far. I mean, you could have the best idea in the world, but if nobody knows about it, it's, it doesn't matter how great your business plan is, it's not going to succeed. So tell us a little bit about that. So what did you do to get, to get in the eyes of the press uh, when you started savings? And when, how far back, how many years ago are we talking here? This is now nine and a half years ago. Wow. Uh, yeah. So I had been kind of building this site, came up with the concept, and, and Savings Angel essentially is just a membership-based website where we help consumers cut their grocery bill in half. It's a great service. It helps people save a lot of money. And we charge $3.99 a week. So it's it's a good service. Um, and then we have our mission is to help end hunger, lack, and need in our communities. And I think because of that mission, and I think a lot of us have noble missions alongside or part of our business, I shared the mission of what I wanted to create with every media influencer I could get to pay attention to me. And so it really wasn't about, hey, I want to promote Savings Angel. I want to make a lot of money, but here's what I want to do in our area. Is there maybe any way that we could work together? Is there any value I could bring your audience? I have some experience in working in radio uh, or in the case of printed publications, um, you know, I, I knew to ask for something called remnant space, which mm-hmm. is basically just the space that they didn't fill, uh, no one's paid for, and it's either they run a station ad, which is basically just promoting their own magazine, or perhaps we could do a revenue share based on a quarter page ad or an eighth page ad, whatever I could get basically. But uh, but Michael, uh, of the 20 media outlets that I sat down with and I presented this offer to, and again, I, you know, I really just kind of explained what I wanted to do, what my mission was, what my goal was, and that I told him, I just said, look, I'm, I'm open to anything that might work. I had several of them that actually suggested, well, you know, maybe we could do this or that. And so I quickly learned what was possible. Now, in the case of radio, I worked with a local Christian broadcaster, which was a great place to start because I developed the segment, which has now become my syndicated newspaper column and the segment that I've done on TV. Now I live in Orlando, Florida for five and a half years. Every Tuesday morning, I go in and I share like the three to five best grocery deals that you can get in our area. And I share exactly how they can do that. And it's a very popular segment and I get great feedback on it. And my local Fox affiliate absolutely loves uh, the content that I provide each week. 
Awesome. So you cut your teeth when you're in the Navy, kind of understanding, <laughs> right, the uh, the public relations side of things. Mm-hmm. And then when you went out and you started your own business, you kind of you, you kind of hit the streets, if you will, hitting up all the local media and trying to figure out any way that you could work together. And now, nine or so years later, you've got a lot of experience. And this is perfect setup, Josh, for what we're going to talk about in the rest of the podcast, which is you know, what do we need to know about the traditional media and how do we go about approaching them and all that fun stuff. So let's transition to my next question, which is a lot of us, all of us that are listening would call ourselves, would raise our hands and say that we're marketers. Many of us are solopreneurs. Many of us work for corporations, but most of us don't understand the media. So the traditional media. So what do you want to say to marketers listening right now about traditional media? What do we need to understand about it? Right. So one of the most important things, if you want to have success in PR, it's it's very important that you understand that what you're asking for is you're asking for them to give you publicity and you're asking them to take a chance on you in that you have come up with a great concept for content, for education, for info, for uh, maybe entertainment as part of a segment or participating in, say, a, a just a publication, you know, a, a news story, whatever it might be. Now, it's incredibly important, and this is the most important thing, if you remember nothing else, is that when you're working with the media, you have to be so careful not to talk about any kind of sales language. This Uh, opportunity is not about you selling your thing. And I know that that's really difficult for a lot of us who love marketing to kind of just let that rest for a moment. But what I typically uh, recommend, and, and I've done a lot of mentoring to other startups, in that if you can play the long game in PR, it will absolutely pay you for life. So rather than getting on air, whether it be radio, TV, or working with a local newspaper or any other, um, you know, maybe digital media, they are going to be so sensitive to you trying to sell to their audience. And if you do it, you won't and be you won't be invited back, and uh, worse yet, you could be blacklisted. Uh, producers are just crazy sensitive to that. So to meet our objective, I mean, because we want exposure, just trust that if you're working with an influencer, if you're working with the media, a professional will credit you, but you have to give them the space to do that. So. It's okay to mention your brand in passing, but it's absolutely not okay to give calls to action. Uh, people, audiences can absolutely see that. We've all seen yeah, something. Yeah, because it's not meant to be a commercial, right? This no. is This is meant to be editorial. This is meant to be valuable content. Yes. And if anything, all the marketers that are listening to this show should know I've been preaching this for a long time, which is, uh, you know... A, a, great content minus marketing messages. So, mm-hmm. so in the media in particular, like, yeah, I mean, I, I see it sometimes, Josh, yeah. when I'm watching major syndicated news and they bring on a guest and that guest only talks about their oh. new book or whatever, oh. or they try to put in these little plugs and it's like, yeah. I never see that person again. No way. <laughs> but, but you know what, if, if they just go in there and they act like an expert, which they are, and they answer the questions that the people are asking them mm-hmm. and they do it intelligently and well, well, I guess the long game is what? Tell us, what is the long game that comes out of that? 
Boy, do I love that question. <laughs> the long game is being the reliable source. It's being the subject matter expert that that media contact can go back to time and time and time again. So I've been quoted in the Chicago Tribune probably close to a dozen times. And each time I do, I drop everything that I'm doing and I immediately go into service mode and I try to make that journalist's job easier. And so similarly with TV, now, let's see, uh, for five and a half years times about 50, I've got just in Fox 35 uh, in here in Orlando, uh, I've been there probably close to 300 times. You're probably a local celebrity, right? I, you know, when I go to restaurants, when I'm shopping, I have people all the time. Hey, you're that coupon savings angel guy. I don't care if they get it wrong. It's cool to be noticed. Yeah, absolutely. So um, just just out of curiosity, kind of tell us how it works. Let's just focus on TV for a second. Mm -hmm. You know, um, give us the lay of the land like you show up at the studio and then what happens? Right. So the work, the pre-work should all be done ahead of time. Everybody knows what they're going to say. Everybody knows what they're going to do ahead of time. So oftentimes this takes a few emails back and forth. Now, um, we could talk about pitching now or later. Well, why don't we talk about that later? Because there's Yeah, we're really going to get some, to that for sure. Yeah, there's really some good step-by-step -step things that you want to do there. Um, but assuming all that work has been done, everybody should know what they need to say. So now, what I generally recommend is that when you go, particularly in TV, everybody is crazy busy. So you really, especially the first few times you do it, you have to be very careful about, you know, you could be trying to talk to the talent and meanwhile, they have a producer talking in their ear. So I generally recommend don't, you know, don't get someone's attention. Don't try talking to someone unless you're clearly in break and they're looking at you and they've initiated the conversation. Everybody's a lot busier than they might. Um, uh, Do they typically record these things? Uh, and then no. and then edit them down, or are you typically live? No, okay. no. So I do both. So I've done a lot of packages where they send a camera out, and then you know, in my case, I'll meet them at the mall or at the grocery store or someplace like that. And I've done a lot of packages um, with other stations uh, with Fox. Uh, I just go in and we do a live segment. How and long so are you on air for? Now the segment is typically about two and a half minutes, and it goes. Fast, so it's really important that you talk in sound bites. We've heard. Well, we've this already before. been talking eleven minutes, right? So yeah, two and a half minutes is just oh. boom, right? Oh my gosh. So you just have to boil it down to, it's like, okay, what I want to say is pages. How can I condense that down into paragraphs? And now how can I condense that down into the, the two to three most important sentences that this audience needs to hear? Interesting. So it's all sound bites. Very cool. Um, I know a lot of people listening right now are probably like, all right, well, this sounds pretty interesting. Um, how do we actually locate our media? I know you've done a lot of stuff on Twitter. I would love to hear your advice yeah. on how we ought to do that. So I've worked with a lot of startups who said, you know, Josh, media doesn't work. PR doesn't work, you know, and, and they've gone either one of two directions. Either they've spent a lot of money hiring a PR firm. And I know that pain, Mike, because I've, I've blown over $25,000 hiring PR people. And it, it really is a crapshoot. Um, so what I recommend is with limited budget that you really either invest in your education or invest in building your brand first. And the reason why is because when you do introduce yourself either to an influencer or someone working in the media, that producer has to make a very, very quick 
judgment or quick decision about you in that few seconds. They're going to go to your website, aren't they? Absolutely. So there's three things that I always recommend. Number one is you just have to keep your website updated, up to standards. It has to be responsive. When I scroll down to the bottom, it better say copyright 2016 or whatever year you're listening this. Uh, It's amazing. I was just on a major website this morning and it said 2014. And I'm like, are you kidding me? It's, It's like, it looks like someone's asleep at the wheel and it just doesn't communicate uh, that this is a professional operation. So at the very least, keep your website updated. Now, the two other things that you really want to focus on before you even start proactively reaching out to the media is that you're mindful of your digital reputation. And the way you improve your digital reputation, your Google search results, essentially, is that you're working with your peers that as an expert or a thought leader in your industry. You're finding ways to be of service without asking for links back. Just go and be a good person. And if you do that enough with small podcasters, small uh, bloggers, if you do a Google search for me right now, it's amazing. As much major media as I've done, about 50% of the first three to four pages of my Google search results are all podcasts. <laughs> I, I love it's working true with, with podcasters. It's true with me too. It's true with yeah, me too. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's important. Don't just bang down the door of the largest podcasters. They usually have a long waiting list. It's better to work and get your, you know, get lots of practice with smaller podcasts. And so, again, just look at the subjects that you are interested in, find great podcasts, listen to them, get a feel for them, and then reach out. Let them know that, hey, I really enjoy your podcast. Here's the value that I could bring. Don't talk at all in terms of what's in it for you. Talk in terms of what's in it for them and their audience. And then, so that's number two, Mike. Um, The number three thing would be, again, you mentioned Twitter. It's absolutely the de facto number one platform for reaching out to uh, media. About 90% of media that I know actively use Twitter. And it has, this is ridiculous. I mean, over the past years, as I've been part of the public relations world, my honest opinion is that Twitter has uh, obliterated what I think normally would have costs uh, us small business owners thousands of dollars per month uh, in being able to connect with um, me- with media and with influencers. With Twitter, you can reach out to anyone you want. Now, there's some steps to that. Now, hold on so, a second. Before we get yeah. there, I just want to say a couple things. First of all, um, just to summarize what you said, uh, get your site up to mm-hmm. snuff, folks, because people sometimes will find you even though you're not looking um, and they're going to make an assessment about you based on what they see on your site. Do you have you know, blog content that you're producing? Do you have a clear summary of who you are? Get on podcasts. I love that because I think it helps you refine your ability to speak when people ask you questions and, and on the fly, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes I would imagine people might even be listening to a couple of your podcast appearances to see whether you've got good communication skills and yeah, then right. reach out via Twitter. But I'm going to say, uh, Josh, the flip side is you might be reached out from Twitter. For example, someone from the New York Daily something or another reached mm-hmm. out to me a couple weeks ago on Twitter saying that they were working on a story and we were able to hash the whole thing out you know, over direct messages and they were just yeah. looking for a soundbite. So, um, but let's flip it back. Let's say I am the listener and I don't even know where to find media people in my region mm-hmm. and I want to use Twitter. So go. how do I, I think that's where you were headed, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, just before you do this, um, I, I really recommend that you invest a little bit of effort in making sure that you have a great uh, you have good cover art. Your image for your avatar really now, needs. Wait, are you to talking be- about creating a podcast or something mm-hmm. else? What are you talking about? Twitter? No, this is Twitter. Okay, when you said cover art, that threw me out. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, your you know your profile your, image whatever or whatever. It is yeah, for yeah. Your- yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> got it. Okay, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so that should be good. Um, that's going to communicate that you're professional, that you actively use Twitter, you've got a good presence there. Also, again, your. Um, your avatar or your, you know, whatever your picture. Uh, yeah. Make it your face. Don't make it your logo. Otherwise, you know, that media personality, they don't know if they're talking with you personally or they're talking with some, you know, someone in a cubicle, you know, on the other side of the planet. So if it's your face, they feel like they're talking directly to you on Twitter. This is all very important. I want to make sure that when you're reaching out, you have the highest chance of success possible. So showing some engagement is good. So again, best practices. Michael, you did a great episode, and and I forget the episode number, but about uh, all of the Twitter tools. If you just go back and listen to that episode, that was textbook beautiful in terms of building up a professional twitter presence okay so once we've got a presence how do we actually find the media uh using twitter sure so there's a couple of things that you can use now um really if you are actively monitoring what is going on in your industry and you're reading news sources obviously you really want to pay attention to who is writing what and so you might use a tool like buzz sumo to identify that or just really any news reader you know you're following rss feeds you're using google news you're just being active and aware of what's going on in your industry because you're a part of it and then you want to make sure that you put all of these journalists into a separate twitter list Mm. because trying to follow them in your general Twitter feed is going to be impossible if you follow a lot of people. So if you put them in a separate Twitter list, and maybe you have one that's like all local journalists, and then you have another one that is industry journalists, that would be a great way to do that. And so every few days, or even if it's only once a week, just scroll through there and see what they are talking about. Now, the first week or so is all about identifying and building the list, and then you want to get on their radar. And you do that by liking slash favoriting, um, replying occasionally, Occasionally, don't be creepy. Just you know, you got to be like the Fonz. You got to be, you got to be cool on Twitter. Um, maybe retweeting, maybe retweeting their stuff with a comment yeah, or something. Yeah, retweeting absolutely. Uh, if you do tweet to them, you know, I, I really like the technique of you know beginning the at sign with a dot to show, hey, not only do I um, you know want to reach out to you, I want to show everybody that I'm a fan of your work, whatever it may be. So this is helpful for getting on their radar, and then at some point you're going to offer to be helpful. And and I don't really even consider this a pitch. It's just, oh, I know that you have these content needs. I'm an expert in this area. Um, This is trending right now. You may not realize that this is starting to trend right now. Um, You know, this might make a great story. And if so, I have a couple of ideas that that might be helpful. Okay, let me pause you for a second. What's exciting about what you said, Josh, and I want to underline this is first and foremost, you need to get to know the person, right? Yeah. And they need to get to know you in some capacity, right? And, um, and before you even 
maybe like I've done, I'll give an example with Seth Godin. Okay. And, and this is not a media guy, but pretty high profile marketer in mm-hmm. the industry. I just noticed that there was something on his blog that was missing. And I just reached out to him and I said, Hey, there's something on your blog that's missing. Are you interested in this? And he responded back and he said, Oh my gosh, yes. Thank you so much. I just gave him a free tip. You know what I mean? Um, and I've had people do this to me before, like John Lee Dumas, who was trying to get to know me, who's a big guy in the podcasting space, sent me a personalized video with a couple of tips to allow me to better do something with my podcast. So I would imagine just somehow, um, I don't know, this is a little different than what you're talking about, but that's a way of getting to know someone, right? Providing value to them before you're even thinking about the pitch. And I would imagine there is something to that because everybody wants something from these people and you're giving them something. Is, there, is, that, is that accurate? You couldn't be more right. And this is part of the law of association where in business, you're the combined average of the five people you associate with most. Now, so all of us kind of want to up our average by, you know, kind of looking upward and like, oh, you know, where else can I go with this? Now, here's the thing. Those larger influencers, they also know the law of association. So they don't necessarily want to let you into their five. But the way to get into that five is by offering acts of service. You serve your way in there. And it's kind of funny. Um, Th- that exact that same thing with John Lee Dumas. Uh, I, I obviously, you know, I'm one of the many would love to be on his show, and so uh, I- I've offered to be of service. And sure enough, that that was a great path. That's awesome. So um, we've identified a couple of Twitter lists of people that we're following, and we're just uh, uh, setting a pattern to regularly. I mean, how many how many days or weeks should we be investing before we decide to go for the pitch, you know, with getting to know these people? Could it be months? I mean, what's your thoughts on that? It could be, but I don't think that it needs to be. I, I honestly, in my experience uh, and with those that I mentor, I find that two to four weeks is probably appropriate. It has to do with a couple of things. Number one, are you a credible expert? So if you already have a large following, if you're already well-known in your industry, then that that time is going to be a lot shorter. If you are brand new, you're going to have to work a little bit harder to establish your authority uh, first. Um, you know, they're going to have to feel like they get either, either they respect who you are in your industry or they like you. So you're just going to have to build up the no like, and trust factor in whatever combination you can. So for some people, it might be a little bit longer. Mm. Okay. So you, you feel like you've gotten a connection with this person. We've done what you suggest, and um, we're ready to somehow pitch. So what's the process here? You know, it's kind of interesting because pitching in the past was very, very formal. And why you really relied upon PR experts, very pricey PR experts to do this for you. But today, the news cycle is so short, uh, and journalists and content producers are just in a constant need. So if you could just be the bird dog, and you just say, and you just share a link and, or, so it's either a link to the original story that someone else wrote, or you blogged about it on your blog and you tweet with this language and you say something to the effect of, oh, I noticed that you've written about this subject before. I just blogged about, and then give some sort of reference that, you know, in you want to indicate that you're an authority on this space. You know, they have an interest in it, uh, and that you're available 
if they'd like to pursue that story uh, in whatever media format they operate in. Now, Josh, I want to pause you again here because so many people just jump right to this point and I get it every day on Twitter. I don't know who these people are. And they and every day that I get emails in my inbox and tweets yeah. from random strangers doing exactly what you just said. But the problem is they didn't spend the time to get to know me. I have no clue yeah. who they are. And right. I think this is where everybody makes the mistake is they jump right to this stage. So um, just want to underline that. So keep yeah. going. You provide them that link and keep going along with the process. Yeah, sure. And so the idea is that what our mission is, is in terms of a journalist, our mission is to make their job easy. And so if we know that they've got a lot of work to do and we can give them an outline, we can give them quotes, and it's very important that you never, ever, ever ask for anything in return. That's completely inappropriate. So you and I each, Mike, I'm sure you, oh, I can't imagine what your email inbox is like about people saying, oh, I'm gonna, I'd like to guest blog, and all I ask for is dot, dot, dot. They want <laughs> yeah. links back. Oh, my you gosh. Know, make sure yeah, that the I links delete those every day. Oh, my goodness. I, I, who... Who do you think, and I'm speaking to that person right now who's who's done that. Look, I, I forgive you, but who who are you to ask for that? You don't have the relationship yet. That's like, you know, going on a first date and saying, well, I've decided that- We're going to uh, live know, in Orlando. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna move in, uh, and you know we're gonna get married, and I'm gonna you know we're gonna have kids starting tomorrow. It's just completely inappropriate. So don't do that. Just uh, just please. I know we're marketers, and we want everything to happen next week or today or last week. But you just have to respect that these people of authority uh, have gotten there because they put the time and effort in. You will get there. You just have to allow the process to happen, and. You you know what? If it takes a couple of years and in two years time, you have every influencer in the world and, and you've got great media contacts, you know what? You're set for life. So please just allow this process to happen. And when you get to the position where you're an authority and you've got lots of great media relationships, guess what? You don't have to work as hard because you will have people coming out of the woodwork to ask you for opinions, Mike, just like you shared with the New York Daily What's <laughs> whatever, yeah. you know, they wanted a quote from you. That is going to happen for the person who's listening to us right now. It's like, oh man, that would be so great. Don't worry. It's going to happen. Just allow it to happen though. What about... Okay, as of this recording, uh, Pokemon Go has been out for about a week, and it has completely dominated the media. Now, let's think... Let's think strategically here. Let's say I was a local marketing expert, which I'm not. Okay, and I reached out to I reached out to the local media in my city where I live, and I've already developed a relationship. And I say to the local uh, news person, "Hey, um, there's this awesome new thing called Pokemon Go, and a lot of businesses are benefiting from it, and churches and other facilities that happen to have these." Uh, areas where these kids are coming literally around the clock and it's a really cool story about a brand new trend and if you'd like to talk about it I'm familiar with it Mm -hmm. that would probably be a good pitch right because they could google and see Pokemon Go is dominating they maybe haven't done a story on that yet is that the is that kind of a good example of how it would be done that would be 
such a great pitch this week. And in fact, I get uh, clients who, let's say they are, they're like a relationship coach and they say, well, I want to pitch and I want to do a TV segment about, you know, loving your whole heart. And I'm like, you know, it's like, that is going to be next to impossible. But here's the deal. If you would be willing to talk about the Kardashians or whoever it is, and I know some people just completely turned their nose up. Stay with me here. Um, But if you can, and this is called, Mike, what you just pointed out. Newsjacking, right? Yeah, absolutely. So it's newsjacking. And we also want to look for a hook. So the hook is what are people already talking about? People aren't talking about loving your whole heart, blah, blah, blah. I'm not trying to demean that, but it's just not going to sell. But if you can grab onto something that other people are talking about, the, the, that uh, things that are trending, uh, things that are water cooler subjects, and you use that as an excuse to make a bigger point, or you use that as an excuse to somehow introduce your expertise, Mike, you'll be, you'll be as busy as you possibly desire to be if you can get good at that skill. Because the media are constantly looking for experts who can talk about things like that. Can you give me an example of a pitch that you've done in the last month Um, Or are you at the point where they just bring you in and you just have a segment? But if you have an example of a pitch that you've done so people can understand how it worked and then what you actually, you know, what your hook was, that would be awesome. Yeah. So, um, you know, in one case, and and this kind of brings up another point on this topic, and and I think we've kind of touched on this where this person might still be thinking, they might still have the Kardashians in the back of their head. Uh, But I was in the newsroom and they were talking about, oh my goodness, I live in Orlando, Florida. They just raised the price of tickets in Orlando. Now, my, for, for airline or for Disney I'm World? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. For Disney. Disney yeah. World. I, I forgot to say that keyword. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Disney World tickets. Uh, and so as I was standing there, I said, well, you know, it's not really in my wheelhouse, but it's kind of a consumer issue. Uh, I could absolutely talk about that. Um, so sometimes you can volunteer yourself before you necessarily even have uh, all of the expertise because then I told him, okay, hang on a second. Let me do a little research. Let's, you know, let's do this. Uh And so, you know, I was able to grab that. Um, So again, that was definitely in the news. And even though that did not directly benefit me, I don't have a Disney website. I don't really have much to gain from that. But because I made myself available, and especially if you're ever in a situation where a journalist says, hey, would you be willing to help out with this story? I have never, ever said no that I can remember to an offer like that, even if it absolutely benefits me none none whatsoever, because I see that as an investment. The more that I can help them, the more that they can rely on me. So CBS, I did. I just did two stories with one reporter. They didn't benefit me at all. I mean, I, I really got no lift from that whatsoever. That's okay. But it could be the, the next or the one after that that benefits absolutely. you. Absolutely. The third story was all about savings angels. <laughs> that's awesome. So I was like, that's terrific. And you know, if you have a heart of service and it's, again, it's not about selling, but it's about how can I help this person who who really, again, being a broadcast journalist is really tough. It's a hard job, very stressful, a lot of turnover. The pay is not real good. And so if I can help make their job easier and most importantly, serve that audience, you are going to find that PR is going to go very, very easy for you. 
do you think people should focus on the the journalists first rather than the broadcasters because it might be just an easier to be able to provide sound bites? Um, what's your thoughts? Just because for a lot of people, it might be intimidating driving down yeah. to the local TV studio, you know? I totally get that. The reason that I, I used to do a lot of radio, radio's a little bit easier. Uh, and, and today I've done tons of TV. Now, the reason I like TV is because I was very uncomfortable with it at first, initially, even though I had done it many years ago. My first segments, if you go onto my YouTube channel for Savings Angel, oh, my first segments are horrible. <laughs> there, But they were good enough. Uh, thankfully, they saw some potential in me uh, that they that they invited me back a time uh, again and again. Uh, but eventually, I got better and better at it. So the more difficult, in my experience, the more difficult the media outlet, TV is considered probably the most difficult because it's visual, you got to look good and sound good. And, and it's also based on a very specific time that you have to be available generally, right? Yeah, absolutely. So because of that, there's not as much competition. So if you're responding to Harrow requests, help a reporter out, for example, which is just an email that comes out three times a day filled with journalists who need experts, that's extremely competitive uh, if you're replying to people who just need a quote. That, that you would uh, that gotcha. you would email them back. Yeah, and it's, it's intriguing because I have been asked many times by the local television studios mm-hmm. to to come, and I just can't because, um, and, and they're hurting for they're hurting for good they people, are. and I get it. Um, okay, let's say we've developed a relationship, we've had our first opportunity to be on radio or television, or even just get some write ups in a cool uh, local media like newspapers. Mm-hmm. Um, what do we do to keep that relationship cultivated with oh. those people? Yeah, I, I I love this part of publicity and PR because this is where, you know, just actually getting quoted and getting put in front of the audience, that's just one benefit. That's just one part of the equation. That's the first half. The second half is now what you do with that because that placement just increased your value in the marketplace. It just increased your stature among potential investors or customers who were considering whether or not to buy from you. Oh, you're on TV again. And as you continue to promote that, it's good for you because it's going to make everything in your business work better. Uh, it's going to improve your conversions. It's It just improves everything. It's good for the audience and the, the audience that you share it with on social media. And it's certainly very good for the journalist. Journalists love when you promote their work. And they feel then that you are each in partnership with this segment or with this story. So share it all over social media and make sure you You, tag the journalist, right? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And beyond beyond just giving uh, exposure to the exposure they've given you, is there any other things that you do with Mm -hmm. the key people that you have relationships with um, down the road to kind of keep that relationship alive because for a lot of people that they may get their one shot and 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 share it just like you suggested and they're just in their mind they're done is there anything mm-hmm. else we should be doing to kind of make sure that that person um, continues to remain on we continue to remain on their radar or continue to serve them what any tips or advice on that yeah absolutely so the first time that you appear or work with a journalist, that is the beginning of a relationship. And there's no reason that that relationship can't last for life. It should last for life. And so if you uh, if you continue to uh, 
make yourself available and you offer story ideas and you offer bullet points and you offer quotes and you ask questions from time to time. You you really have to know when you're being helpful and when you're being a pest and you do need to walk that uh, line very carefully. Uh, But if if you ask for permission, do you mind if I update you every couple of weeks with the things I'm working on. It might stimulate some story ideas. And and I also, Michael, I always tell my journalist friends um, that I am very available. In fact, if you, know, if you need an expert and you're on a tight deadline, please text me, call me, email me. My highest priority is to help you whenever you need a consumer story. Because most, in my case, most uh, newsrooms don't have consumer experts uh, available in in the newsroom on on staff anymore. They just don't because of um, Mm. tight budgets. So I know what I know and I make myself available. So yes, I keep in touch with them. I'm always sending them story ideas, uh, but more often than not, they may or may not take those story ideas, but they've got something else that they're working on. And I want to make sure that top of mind awareness, they're always thinking of me. Very cool. Josh, this has been awesome. Why don't you tell everybody where they can discover more about you and all the things you've got going on? Oh, sure. Um, So I do a lot of pro bono work. I do a lot of work um, in terms of free mentoring. I've got free workshops. I've got free videos, free articles. Uh, I'm at the stage where, you know, I've I've had my success in business. So now it's about leaving a legacy. And so you can find all of those free things at upendpr.com. And of of course, we also, uh, you know, we have applications for our membership as well. Excellent. Josh Elledge, E-L-L-E-D-G-E, for anybody who wants to search him, up NPR. Thank you so much, Josh, for joining us on today's episode. Mike, it's an honor. Thank you so much. Well, I hope you got a lot out of this week's episode. I know that I did. I, th- I found it very, very inspirational. Uh, a couple quick things. If you missed anything we talked about, don't worry. We take all the notes for you at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 210. Also, hit that subscribe button on your podcast player if you're new. And if you're, you've been around for a while, a rating and or a review would be awesome. Uh, well, this brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you in the driver's seat next week. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day. And may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.